here. We're going to talk about fruitful, fruitful investments. How many people, don't show your hands, but how many of us have a 401k that every morning we wake up and we're like, gosh, I hope the stock market crashes today. No one, right? No one does. No one wants to invest in something and have it fail. No one wants to invest in something and not have fruit of that investment, right? Well, I want to share those particular things that the Lord, the, 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 those virtues that the Lord was, uh, in, that Peter was talking about that we add to our everyday life. Because when we add them, there's growth. When we add them, there's stability and maturity. The, the, prob- the problem is some of those are very hard for us to acknowledge that we may be struggling in. We may be struggling in self-control. We may be struggling in godliness and brotherly kindness. We may be struggling in the ability to continue to persevere. We may be struggling, but, but I want to tell you, it's not such a struggle when we surrender it to God. The load gets much lighter. Now, there will be a load probably, and it won't be always be, you know, like we're just on cruise control. But I promise you, when we begin to add these things, there's, a, there, there's, there's fruit that'll be seen in our lives. And so Peter writes this particular book, Second uh, Peter, to encourage believers to, to pursue godly character, to pursue the knowledge of God, and to make the changes necessary to make that connection stronger. I love how Peter begins to, to, to start the whole section that I read to you because it's kind of like this welcoming point. But in the welcoming point, he talks about faith. Faith is the trust and belief that we have in God. It's, it's the connecting uh, thing that connects us to the Father. Think about two cell phones. Think about your cell phone in your purse or next to you that should be on silent mode. <laughs> that, uh, and then think about someone that is somewhere else uh, a relative somewhere else that's not with us today yet uh, in service because we, we got to get them here. They're going to get here. But think about it. But you got to call them. So what you got to do is after service, when you step into the atrium, you open up your phone and, 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 you, and you hit that number and it calls. Well, what made that phone call go through? What connected that phone call? It's called uh, Wi-Fi. It's called, the, it's called one of the, the cellular carriers, okay? I don't want to say them and, you know, because I don't know which one you have or if you like it or not like it. But it's that, it's that carrier that you, gives you the ability to go over the airwaves to make that connection to the other line, right? That's faith. Jesus is, is all around us. Jesus is in the throne room. But what connects me to Jesus? It's faith. My faith connects me to the Father. My belief and trust in him connects me in a greater and deeper dimension. And so Peter says, listen, the faith that you have that we have, you know, you know it, it, it's important to have. But he goes on and he, and he talks about in this passage, he talks about with this faith, he goes, grace and mercy be multiplied as you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So he talks about how precious our faith is, the connecting point to the Father, and then he transitions and says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. How many of us need some grace in our life right now? How many of us need some peace in our life right now? Right? How many of us need to give grace? That's a tough one, right? It's like, yeah, I want grace. You know what grace is? Unmerited favor. God, give me grace. 
God, pour grace all over me. Give me that unmerited favor. Give me that, that spiritual enablement. Give me the kindness and the love and the help that I so need. God, pour it on me. I believe that it's in you because you are a God of grace and a God of mercy. And you are a God of peace. And peace, when I talk of peace, it's not just the, the ability to be in a situation where there is a lack of, uh, of um, what did I write here, a lack of conflict. No, it's about a positive presence of God's spirit that brings harmony and wholeness and well-being and contentment in all areas of our lives. And Peter's like, listen, you know, those who have faith, those who believe in Jesus, may the grace and the peace of mercy be multiplied in your life. There's a connecting point there. Faith to Jesus brings the grace and the peace that's so needed. But then it says this, through what? The knowledge. Because we need the faith to believe, and the faith makes that connection, but then we have to grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is. Some of us know about Jesus. We know about Jesus, but we don't know Jesus. Some of you know me, but you only know about me. You don't know me. Pastor Maurice, she knows me. She knows more than just being about me. See, because what we, you may know this about me, that I'm married and I have two adult, young adult children. My baby turns 23 on Wednesday. Lord have mercy. I have two dogs. Lord have mercy. I've been the pastor here since I graduated from college in the early 90s. Started in, you know about me. But you can, give, you can tell facts about me, but you don't know me. Nothing wrong with that, but some people know me. How do they know me different than how you, someone knows about me? Relationship. A close relationship. The veil has been pulled back like the Wizard of Oz. So they know more. And see, that's what we need to do with Jesus because we need to come to, by faith, have a knowledge of who Jesus is because we can no longer live our faith off of knowing about Jesus by what other people have told us about Jesus. Because some of the things that people have told us about Jesus, they're not real. They're not truth. There's something they heard or there's something they perceive about Jesus. That's why Peter even is writing about false doctrine. That's why in Philippians, you know, Paul was talking about beware of all the false teachings and stuff because we need to know what the truth is compared to what is not true. And so Peter, in this opening part, speaks a lot of things. Why am I doing this so much? Because, because I came to a really big understanding over the past six months or so, is that when we read the Bible, there are so many little nuggets of things that can help us grow that we just read over and we don't take time to think about. We don't take time to think about how faith is so precious and that faith connects us to God and that faith, when we're connected to God, helps us gain a knowledge of who God really is and that in God there is peace and there is grace that is poured out upon the believer. We just kind of read it as a welcome. Oh, Peter welcomes us all and now he's going to tell us something. And so we need to understand the importance of these little things because isn't our goal to grow spiritually? Isn't our goal to grow become more spiritually mature and more spiritually stable. And so it's a matter of just slowing down 
the reason. So that's why I focus, I've been focusing in on more of the little, little things, not so much of the, the big aspect of, the, of the, uh, the Scripture. But he starts off with this welcome. And he goes on and he mentions then as we go down, and he mentions about in God we have all that's needed for life. We have all that's needed for life and godliness. In God. See, the benefit of that, that for me, and it isn't about having all the money in the world. It's not about having all the things. That's not what he's talking about. See, he's talking about in God, we have that ability to receive the agape love of Christ or the agape love of the Father that's poured out to us. In God, we have salvation through Jesus. That's, that, that, that's so needed for life because this shell will die. This body will stop. The, 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 the air will one day all come out of this body. The heart will stop beating and, and it'll just be a body laying there. And so, but because God had made us available, uh, Jesus available to us, he has given us all things that are needed for life. Here, as Jesus walks with us, but also in eternity through salvation in Christ. See, God has given us an inner presence, an inner guidance that is known as the Holy Spirit that will help us, that will quicken things to us in the midst of quick circumstances and situations. See, he has given us a companionship of other believers that are so important for you and I to have. This is what has been given to us, and it's exciting. But how do we gain all this stuff that Peter's talking about? How do we gain what God has for us? How do we, how do we grow in him? We grow through the knowledge of Christ himself. But it's not a head knowledge. It's not a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge. It's not a book knowledge, it's a relationship knowledge. Because you can read, I, can, I, I, I have friends who, 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 who are not believers. Yes, I hang around people who do not believe in Jesus. You should hang around people that don't believe in Jesus. You should. Don't have all your friends, only Christians. Do not let all your friends only be Christians. Because if we're only hanging around like-minded Christians all the time, then who in the world is leading others to the foot of the cross? So some of my unbelieving friends, I have a couple that have read the Bible from cover to cover. Cover to cover. But they read it like a book. They didn't get anything out of it. They read it like a book. They, they, they went in with a head knowledge. They want to try and to, theolo- to, 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 to not theologically, but to think intellectually what it's saying. And they didn't get much out of it. They're like, it's nice. It's a great story. It's okay if you want to believe in it. You know, you do you, I'll do me. Uh, I still like you and want to hang out with you, even though I don't understand you sometimes, even though you're a little kooky at sometimes, even though you're always telling me you're going to pray for me when I say things I shouldn't be saying to you, and you laugh about it, and you're, but I love to be around you, but I don't get anything out of it. Because they, got, they went in with a head knowledge, not a heart open to receive what God had for them. See, they didn't get the revelation of what the Scripture was saying. And so it's important for us to understand that when we go to get the knowledge of who the Father is, that we're going, not looking to get it in the head, but to get it in the heart. See, it's about knowing him personally. It's about knowing Jesus through a relationship with him. It's walking every day with Jesus. Just not Sundays. 
We cannot get all that God wants to give us in the hour and a half that we meet on a Sunday morning. We can't give enough worship to God in the four or five songs that we do in a Sunday morning service. We can't pray enough in the opening prayer, in the prayer at the end of service, in the prayer during service that God wants from us. See, those are connecting points that by faith, when we step into his realm, we begin to gain the knowledge as he reveals it himself to us. And so it's important that we're looking at a relationship with God, not by the head knowledge, but by the heart and by a relationship. And see, when we begin to gain the knowledge of him, what happens is he begins to bring direction and assurance of our faith. He begins to bring even conviction to those things that, I got to say it, that sometimes we as believers are doing or partaking in that we shouldn't be. And so the Holy Spirit quickens to us that we can make that quick change. And so we obtain it as we gain, we obtain this knowing of him through this divine connection with him. And I love it. And as we grow in him, this revelation begins to be poured more and more out on us. See, we need a revelation of who Jesus is. I can preach every Sunday morning from the scriptures. But until you have a revelation of what I'm saying, it's different. Well, what do you mean by a revelation? That while I'm teaching from this platform, whether you're here live or you're on live stream or you're watching it again throughout the week, that while I'm teaching the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father is moving about the room, about the airways, and what he's doing is he's giving a revelation. He's giving us a divine or a what is defined as a supernatural disclosure to humans, that's you and I, about something that, was, that we did not previously know. That he opens our spirit man, opens our mind, opens all that we are, and teaches us something that we didn't know previously to coming today. And so we grow when this begins to happen. But we also grow then too, as this revelation is being poured out, but we grow as we spend time in the scriptures. We grow as we allow the Holy Spirit to move the whole... Can I say this about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not a bad thing. The Holy Spirit is a great thing. The Holy Spirit is not a weird thing. The Holy Spirit is not... I know so many people, when we say Holy Spirit, all of a sudden there's a tension in the room. Like, oh, 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 it's going to get really creepy and really weird really fast. Maybe in the 90s it did, but a lot of that was flesh when it did get creepy and weird. God's not creepy and God's not weird. If we, if we are obedient and allow God to move the way God wants to move, it will always be done in an order. And so when the Holy Spirit comes and we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, in other words, there's a, there's a receiving of the Holy Spirit, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden he's in us. And so he is teaching us and showing us and revealing to us the truth of the Father. See, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We begin to grow in this knowledge through other people, other believers. As we stand arm in arm, iron sharpens iron, we, we begin to grow even as God himself reveals who he is through creation. See, 
revelation comes, and when this revelation comes, there becomes a knowledge, and the knowledge is a, an understanding and a knowing of, of who Jesus is. And, and, and it's not just a, a book knowledge, but it's a, it's a personal, relational knowledge. And that's what's different. And that's what's so needed. And so Peter's encouraging us in, in, in talking about all these things. But here's the meat. And this is what we need. Now, listen, I had to say it earlier. I'm going to say it again. I'm not preaching at you. I'm encouraging you. I'm not pointing a finger at one person in this place. Because if I'm pointing one finger, three are coming back at me. I am sharing with you an encouragement of what we, myself included, need to continually be adding daily into our walk may not be easy, but if we continue to ignore these things that are not there or need to be fixed, we will not grow. We will not grow. And so Peter says that we should add a few things. He says that we should add virtue. He said that we should add knowledge. He said that we should add self-control. He said that we should add perseverance. He said that we should add godliness, brotherly kindness, and we should add love to our faith and to our life. Now that, that seems easy until we start to realize what those are and how they affect us. And I love it because he says in verse 5, for this reason make every effort, effort meaning a vigorous, determined attempt. I love that. Make a determined attempt to add them to you and to yourself and to your everyday walk. Do it with Diligence. What do you mean by diligence? I mean by an eager desire to accomplish, to strive after, to see those things that the Bible says that we should be adding to our faith and to our life, that we begin to do it and we continue to do it. And and, and you know what? It never ends, just so you know that. We will never, ever obtain a full thing of virtue until we're we're in heaven. We'll never add a a complete control uh, or a complete thing over self-control and perseverance because we're imperfect people. Pastor Dennis says that all the time. We're imperfect people. And that's why we struggle sometimes, because we're not perfect. Now, we can tell ourselves we're perfect. Shoot, I tell myself all the time I'm perfect, just to make, just to make myself laugh. And then I'm like, no, I'm not, man. I'm the farthest thing from perfect. But he says, add these things and do it with, you know, vigorous determination. And he's implying that we should add these things. These are investments. Investments. And, and they're really not optional if we want growth. They're really not optional if we want stability. They're, they're really not optional if we want, you know, Christian maturity and spiritual maturity. Um, and they're an integral part of our lives. And we don't try to do one and then feel that we get to that one. We have to start them all at the same time. Right? We, we can't be like, well, you know what? Let me master this whole thing of virtue before I even consider, you know, perseverance. Let me master this whole thing of godliness before I consider loving my brother. No, we've got to begin with all of them on a daily basis. And so what does he say? He says, add this. He says, add virtue. In other words, when you look up the meaning of virtue, it means moral excellency. So what he's saying is, to your faith, to your, to your walk as a believer, you need to add virtue. You need to add moral excellency, a conformity to the standard of right. Whoo! Now, don't get quiet on me today. But virtue. 
we know it's not easy out there, right? We are bombarded with what the new standard is supposed to be. But we don't have to stand for the new standard. Because the standard that we stand for is the standard right here. This is the standard of moral excellency found in the Word. And so Peter's like, add moral excellency, conform to the standard of right. You know, it's that mindset and willingness to do the right thing all the time, not some of the time. All the time. And sometimes that takes walking away. Sometimes that takes breaking up or, stop, or, or removing ourselves from certain relationships. Sometimes that means turning the computer off or the TV off or, 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 or walking away from a situation. See, it, it, it's, it's making and being willing to do the right thing, not some of the time, but all of the time. See, it's a virtue can be a trait or disposition of our character that leads to good and proper behavior. See, a, a virtuous Christian is one who stands out for being morally excellent. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Because sometimes, and, and when I say morally excellent, I'm not, I'm not just talking sexual. I'm not just talking sexual things. I'm talking all things of standard. Lying, stealing, cheating. We got to strive to be morally excellent. But you know what happens sometimes? We fall. And if we fall, we got to get back up. You got to get back up. Too many people fall and then lay down and never get up. And then life goes by and they live their life in a rut, in a grave. We got to get back up. And then we surround ourselves with people that will help us stay moving forward. But let me encourage you when someone does fall, because I hear it all the time, especially especially in, in ministry things. When someone does fall, don't pile on with everybody else. Whew, look at that. Told you they were a no good person. Don't pile on. We don't know what caused the fall. We're not part of that relationship. We have no idea. You know what we should do? We should use brotherly love and pray for that person. And if it's a person close enough we should, you know, reach out and say, hey, is there anything I can help? Can, can I help restore whatever you're going through? There's too many times that we throw on and we pile on. But God's calling us to be virtuous, to be a Christian who stands out as being morally excellent or striving to be above what the world is pushing, what the world is pushing. You know, I, I, and it's tough. It's tough let me, let me give you a story real quick. You know, anybody own a TV and got cable? No, I'm serious. Anyone got a TV or cable? Got TV? Oh, you all that righteous? None of you got TVs up in this place? How do you watch Bill's games? Better yet, how do you watch Hallmark? I'm going to go there for a second. See, because... You know, recently, like, my wife and I, we watch shows together. You know, it's like our thing. At night, we watch a show together, we, a show that we like. And so, you know, people on different social media platforms, oh, you got to watch this series. you got to watch that series. you got to check this out on, you know, Netflix or whatever. And so, you know, we, we were watching. We, we got a, the, the list of them, so we started watching some of them. Some of them I got, like, through 10 minutes of the show and had to turn it off. It's like, Whoa. 
It's not that I'm like a prude or that I'm above anything, but I strive not to allow that to creep in because if I begin to accept it, then I could become a part of it. And then my virtue struggles. I'm telling you, that's why y'all need to watch Hallmark. You know the stories. You know the story, right? They're feel good. There's, no, there's not a lot of craziness that we see everywhere else. It's, it's so-and-so and so-and-so moves away. One person moves back to the small town, takes over mama's flower shop. All of a sudden, the other person comes back in because of a funeral. And they happen to be some big-time attorney, teacher, pastor, whatever. I don't know, whatever it is. And they come back to town, and all of a sudden, these two meet in a coffee shop. Now, you don't see it, but you see the, oh, right? And then all of a sudden, they have coffee and dinner. And it's feel-good. And it's feel-good. And so you know what's going to happen, right? And so all of a sudden, they, they start to make this reconnection. And here it comes. Here it comes, the old girlfriend, the old boyfriend, an old, an old love letter that's found, an email, a text comes, and all of a sudden, a job, offer, a, a job offer somewhere on the other side of the world. And it comes, and then all of a sudden, something happens, and they break up. But then there comes this, this moment of, of sanity where it settles in. And it's like, what was I thinking? I got to go back to small town Americana, population 962, because that's where I know where I'm supposed to be. And then the last seven minutes of the show, you know what's coming because all of a sudden you can feel the tears coming up in your eyes. You know what's coming. And there it is. There it is. The plan lanes. And all of a sudden, he's swooped off by Uber, and, he, and she's about to make some decision, and the door comes in, and he's like, I'm here. And then all of a sudden, we know what happens, happily ever after. That's what happens. It's cheesy. It's corny. I actually have a pink blanket that someone on staff bought me that says, my Hallmark blanket. <laughs> it's my Hallmark Christmas watching movie blanket. I have one. But you know what? I, this is all around us. And if Peter was talking about virtue then, it's so important even now if you think about it. And then he says add knowledge. Knowledge is getting a proper understanding of the truth. Knowledge is getting a proper understanding of the truth. It's not only should we know the truth, but the truth should have a major impact in our lives. The truth is Jesus. He says get a knowledge of the truth, the truth of Jesus, the truth of who Jesus was, the truth of what Jesus did, the promises of what the Scripture says, the truth of the Holy Spirit, the truth of the love of the Father for you, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter where you are right now. See, this is the truth. And he says you've got to gain knowledge of this Jesus. You've got to gain knowledge of what he did on the cross. You've got to gain knowledge of the promises that you have in him. You have to. It's there for you. But you have to get a proper understanding because there's too much false teachings about Jesus. There's too much false teachings about the scriptures. There's too much false teachings about the Holy Spirit. And so knowledge is definitely more than just information uh, about Jesus. It's, 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 it, it's just it's more than that. You've you got to know Jesus. So it's not information. It's a knowing. It's a revelation. And then we must apply the, the knowledge, the truth, to our lives. It means getting the word in us, and the word gets activated, and it comes out of us. So he says, listen, you need to be inscribed to be morally excellent, but then you also need to have a knowledge of, of who the Father is and who Jesus is, and, and you got to get it inside of you because you got to properly understand truth. And then he goes and he says this, and, and he says this. He says, add to that knowledge 
and to that virtue, add self-control. You know, if Peter was preaching to our faces, this probably wasn't popular. You know that? This wasn't popular. Does anyone like anyone being told what to do? No? No no one likes to be told what to do. But Peter's bringing an awakening to everybody to make some changes to help them grow. And this word is given for us as well. And so he says self-control. Self-control is the ability that you and I have to master and to control our flesh, our desires, our passions, and our sensual appetites. That's what self-control is. It's the ability to master, the ability to control our flesh, our desires, and our passions and sensual appetites. And so it's having the ability to live a balanced life when the world and everything around us is screaming, indulge, 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 do it, do it, do it. It's okay. No one will know. Only you know. Self-control is the ability to control ourselves, our flesh, our responses, our desires, our passions. This will help us as we grow in the things of God. It's saying no to the self helping. It's saying no to the second glance at something we shouldn't be looking at. Self-control is not acting in the heat of the moment. It's reacting the way Jesus would. That's what self-control is. It's not reacting in the heat of the moment. It's reacting the way that Jesus would react. And so he says it adds self-control. He goes on and he says perseverance. The ability to have steadfast endurance under adversity. In other words, don't stop, don't quit, don't give up when you feel you can't take another step. you got to keep pushing. you got to keep moving. You have to have the ability to endure under adversity without giving up or giving in. Endurance refers to the one who remains faithful in the middle of a fiery trial. See, he's saying, listen, these simple investments will change everything. They will, they will enhance your growth. They will enhance your, your connection to the Father. They will enhance your walk. They, they will benefit you greatly. But don't give up and keep persevering. Many times as believers, we give up because something's too tough or we haven't received what we've asked for. That's the big one. I know more people that have walked away from the Lord because they've been asking for something and never got it. Never got it. It was just never given. And so they were angry and they walked away. But no matter the circumstances, we must remain devoted to the Father, right? The the devil doesn't want you to grow. He wants you to disconnect. That's why it's important for us to persevere. We don't, listen, let's be honest here. I'm always honest here. I'm always honest. So last night, I set the clocks ahead, right? And so, but I got tied up. We were watching some shows, and I, I got this new game on my phone. I don't ever play games on my phone. That block game, I don't even know what it's called. You block things, and you try to get as high as you can. And I got in a zone. I'm trying to beat my wife's score, so I got in a zone. We're competitive in my house. And next thing you know, it's like one o'clock. And I'm like wide awake. Because my body's telling me it's only midnight. 
it was one o'clock. So I'm like, oh man, I better start getting settled down. Next thing you know, it's quarter to two. I'm like, my alarm's going off at 5.45, people. Now, I could have got up this morning all tired and angry because I don't feel like I, you know, got enough sleep and said, yeah, I'll go next week. No, we got to persevere even when we're tired, even when, we, when our body's saying no, even when our mind is saying we can watch it on TV or we can do this with another. Now, I'm not saying about church, but anything. We've got to persevere. I, I wasn't going to share this, but I have to share it again. How many of you know Bishop Tom and Pastor Shirley? They're the founders of this church. They come to both services, 8.30 or 10. They try to come to either one to meet new people. They were the, Bishop Tom was given the vision to start this ministry. Went from a Bible study that grew to this ministry on the corner. They're in their 70s. I won't tell you my mother's age because I just won't. I'll get in trouble. Okay, they're in their 70s. But this ministry has had a flavor of, of healing and restoration all over it. We've had miracle explosions services. We've had conferences. We've had all these things where God's, you know, there's been women who were told they will never have a child. And after their fifth child, they're like, Lord, shut the womb up, please. I'm being dead serious on this. There's multiple people, women who have said, no, and all of a sudden they've been prayed for, anointed with oil, and all of a sudden these babies are just keep coming out. This is how God works. Let me tell you how easy it is to stop persevering, how you could get caught up in this. See, because now they're at the age where Bishop Tom had some, some, some health issues, and, and now they both use walkers at times, and, and it's a struggle daily, health-wise. It's not a secret. You see them. You, it's not a secret. So I'm not telling you out of school. But it could be very easy for them or my family to say, God, where are you? You've healed and restored, and then where are you in this? They've sacrificed 40-something years of ministry. They've given more than possibly could imagine. People could even imagine time, finances, you know, you name it. Shirts off their back, cars, all. And Lord, here we are. We've been praying for years for healing and holy. God, where are you? You know what? We could walk away. We get angry and upset. But I want to tell you something. None of us feel that way. Why know why? Because we love Jesus. And because even though they may not get a physical healing today, God forbid, they will receive it in eternity. My job isn't to ask God, why isn't he doing something? My job is to worship God. My job is to exalt God. My job is to serve God. It's not to question what he's doing in somebody's one life and not somebody else's life. See, I can't allow what I'm not seeing in the physical stop me from being who God's called me to be as his son and, or, or daughter of his. And so I keep pushing forward. I keep pushing forward. And I'm still praying. And I'm still believing. See, we can't give up. We can't stop because we're not getting what we feel we should get or what we deserve. Because if we, if, if we go there as people, as humans... According to the holiness of God, we get more than we deserve. It's grace and mercy. It's that undeserved favor, right? 
It's agape, unconditional love. I had to share that with you because I feel some people may be on the, on the fringe of, you know, you're not getting what you feel needs to be done. And you've been praying and it's not happening. Don't give up. Don't quit. And then he says, add godliness to that. Did, did, did you all understand what I'm saying so far? Y'all with me? And this is like so different in the past four weeks, uh, the way this message is coming out. But I, I got to teach you this. I got to teach you this. He says, add godliness. This could be described you know, and defined as one who has the right attitude and perspective towards God. It refers to the Christian who yields his actions and attitudes and reflects the Lord himself. It's the proper showing of reverence and the fear of the Lord and, and, and the worship that's due to God. See, it's the one who loves, honors, adores, praises, worships the Lord while possessing great humility. I love what the one commentary that I was reading through uh, this week, it said, uh, godliness is having a deep, reverent, religious fear, not only worshiping God with every becoming outward act, but adoring, loving, and magnifying him in our heart. Godliness. He says, add that. Add a deep, reverent, reverent, holy fear for God. He says, adore him. Love him. Magnify him. Outwardly, but also inwardly. Show the proper respect that's due. And he goes on, he says this, he says, add brotherly kindness. Well, what is brotherly kindness? It's having care and concerns for others and their needs. That's what brotherly kindness is. It's having care and concern for others' needs. It's a byproduct. Or it's a, brotherly kindness is a product of obeying the command that we talked about a few weeks ago. I, this is... How many people know that COVID, how many people know that COVID caused a lot of issues with people's relationships? Only two, no, and, right? Right? Did it not hold some serious issues with people? This was my scripture. Some of you might have heard this from me. Say this out loud. Because in the middle of COVID, we heard a lot of me, a lot of I, a lot of it's my way. I want it this way. I, it, you need to do it my way. All this stuff, right? And here's what kept me sane through it all. This scripture, I lived on this scripture. I anchored to this scripture. It said this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but also, but each to, of you to the interests of others. That's brotherly kindness. That it's not all about me, but it's also about you. That sometimes I'm, I'm putting everything that I for you. You're hurting, how can I help? You have a need, how can we help fill it? If I can't do it myself, let me help find somebody to help us get this taken care of. You're having a bad day, tell me about it so I can pray for you. You're angry, let me help you. Let me walk you through it. Do you see what I'm saying? It's caring about the person next to us. He says, we have to add this brotherly kindness. And then he says, listen, he says, man, you got to add love. And I'm not talking about the romance love or the friendship love, but the agape love of the Father, the unconditional love that can be described as a love that seeks the highest good again for other people. Didn't God have the highest regard for us when he sent his son Jesus to die for you and I on the cross? That was an act of love. 
It was an act of love that he sent Jesus to die for you and die. He says you have to have love. It's putting the needs of others ahead. It's, it's, it's an unconditional devotion. It was demonstrated even by God when Jesus hung on the cross and he took his last breath. Paul marks this kind of love in 1 Corinthians as the highest Christian virtue. Love. 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 You got to add that love. What does it look like? When I read it in a different translation, why I get there, if you're wondering why I'm using my phone so much to read my Bible, is because all the words are blurry today. My puppy ate my glasses. Yeah. Give me one second. Switching my translation here. There it is. First Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful, proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not, it's not uh, irritable and it keeps no records of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Peter's like, add love. Be a person that's not jealous or boastful or proud. Be a person that doesn't get irritable and keep records of wrong or when someone does us wrong. And don't rejoice when something bad happens. Love doesn't give up. It never loses its faith. It's always hopeful and it endures. Add love, Peter says. And he says, when you do these things, it says this. If these things reside in you and abound, verse 8, they ensure that you will neither be useless are unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord. So I'm telling you what the scripture says today that when we add these things, we gain an understanding and greater knowledge of who the Father is, who Jesus is. So I declare today to add virtue, add knowledge, add self-control, add perseverance, add brotherly kindness, add love to our everyday walk and who we are as a people. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. So, I know it might have seemed a little hard. Anyone struggle with any of those? Hey, we're all family. We can be honest with each other. So we all do. We all struggle with them question is, what are we going to do with the struggle? Are we going to give it over to the Father? Are we going to surrender it? Are we going to admit that it's a problem or an issue? Are we going to say, you know what, I do struggle and I need some help with it, Lord. I, I've been battling, I can't do it on my own. I need more, more of your strength. More of what you have for me to help me get through this. Want to pray about it? My sister's like, Please, hurry up. Now. Who 
Come on, well, let's go, let's go, let's let's go to the altar. Let's let's go together. I'll meet you there. Let's pray for. Her. Come on, come on down. If you struggle, if you, if this is if you're affected by any of these, and this goes for leadership and and those who are part of the ministry teams, if even you're struggling with that, come on down. God's a good God, amen? Amen. Amen. Never be ashamed to come down for prayer. We can, the rest of us can stand to our feet because I'm going to need your help to help intercede on their behalf as well. Yes. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It takes a lot. Father, Lord, we stand together in front of your cross, the ultimate symbol of love. Some would look at it as jewelry. Some even look at it as being offensive. Yeah, it is offensive because what it stands for and represents to the sinner, to those who want to reject you and what you stand for. It could be. But God, we look at it as a symbol of love. We look at it as a symbol of freedom. And Father, today, many of us, whether standing at the altar or still in our pews or watching on live stream, God, when we read that list that Peter told us to begin to add to our lives, there was a realization that we struggle with a few of those. One of them, or maybe all of them. But there's a struggle. There's a stronghold. Whether it's with moral standards, godliness, perseverance, loving someone with brotherly kindness, giving and receiving of love, or there's a struggle with self-control, one or all. But that struggle has caused an issue in our growth and our knowledge of knowing you in a greater dimension. And so today we acknowledge the problem. Today we acknowledge that you're the solution. And we are asking by our faith in you, Jesus, that you begin to break the chains that have held us back. Father, your scripture even declares that you've come to set those who are captive free. And maybe we've been captive to immoral things. Maybe we've been captive to anger. Maybe we've been captive to having no self-control or, or no godliness, whatever it may be. But you've come to set us free this day. So God, we come here now. We surrender ourselves to you to do a work. That Holy Spirit, you would do a work in us. That you would bring healing and wholeness. That, God, you would change all the things that need to be changed and correct all those things that need to be corrected within us. Because our goal is to grow in you. Our goal is to know you more intimately. Our goal is to have a greater knowledge and understanding and the truth of who you are and what you did. So, Father, I surrender and we surrender all that we are to you. 
Have your way, Holy Spirit. Wind of God, begin to blow. Begin to blow upon your people. Holy Spirit, come in the stillness. In the stillness, come. Grace, fall. Favor, fall. Peace and joy and comfort, come. Oh, Lord, we bless you this morning. We bless you this morning. We bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let me give the Lord a hand clap. I'm just going to stay here as we wrap this service up. Just a, a few quick announcements. struggling during the week with some of these, shoot me an email. My email is right on the website. Shoot me an email so I can pray for you. Let me know. If you need someone to walk along your side, we'll find that person, be with you, to help you. You shouldn't have to go through it alone. We're not created to be alone. You know that, right? created for fellowship and so we want to as a church family be there to help you as you navigate as you navigate we want to help you and you need to know that we're there with you and so uh, just a couple quick announcements all the men in the house uh, this upcoming weekend is the iron sharpens iron conference um, at the wesleyan church uh, on mckinley we've gone to it in the past uh, a bunch of us have already registered and uh, we'll be uh Mark, our men's leader, will be at the table. Uh, I was told, I'm not sure if it's the same date yet still, but they kept early registration open, so it's still at a better cost. But I want to encourage you to go. We have a bunch of guys going. Uh, we have a bunch of guys going. We're going to go and, and meet as a family, a church group of guys, and kind of just hang out for the day. Uh, it's, it's like seven hours, guys. Now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be like, yeah, I want to go, but, you know, it's my Saturday, and, uh, you know, I got to, you know, uh, you know, you know. No, I don't know. Because the snow will still be there to be shoveled when you get home. The garage will still be dirty when you get home. It's one day. And I want to encourage you one day to set aside that can change your life forever. There's main sessions. There's breakout groups where you pick and choose ones that will help you where you're at. And as a bonus, we get to have worship all day being led by our worship leader. <laughs> so he will be with us. He was asked to to lead the conference solo. He's a solo act on Sunday, Saturday. And so we're excited about that. And so uh, if you can make it, guys, please, please register. Talk to Mark in the back after service. Uh, we have the lily sale starting next week for Easter is around the corner. That's hard to believe to say that, right? Easter's around the corner. And so um, I made an announcement this morning, and I totally uh, forgot, uh, messed it all up. I didn't confirm some things that is all on my fault. But um, with COVID's over, pretty much, and we're coming through all this, if you notice things happening in the church, uh, we got through it healthy, we got through it growing spiritually, uh, growing in a lot of areas. 
but what we did was we changed our 8.30 service to the 8.15. Now this won't affect most of you, but sometime in April, I will let you know the exact date, we're going to be going back to 8.30. Okay, so you guys are 10 o'clock people. It's not going to really affect much of you. But if you do attend 8.30, it won't be, 8, it won't be 8.15 sometime in April. You'll get an advance notice of when it goes to 8.30 and then 10 o'clock still. It doesn't affect us in any way. Uh, but we want to get things back to, to normal. Okay? And so uh, as you'll see more things happening, even in service with prayer, we're having altar calls, we'll be, we'll be anointing with oil, we'll be doing, going back to where we were, where we need to be. And so I wanted to share that with you. And so let's uh, take our offering. We sang a song, Jaira. It's about the provision of God. And God is a provider in, in so many ways, beyond finances, just so many ways he provides. And so we take this moment in our service to acknowledge that uh, and thank him for our provision, not only of our finances, but of all things, family, friends, our clothes, our house. Take a moment to acknowledge the provision that he has for us. Right? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And so, Father, I thank you for this time. We never take lightly what you've given us. Even the air we breathe, <laughs> this church that we meet in, the heat that comes through the heating ducts. I know that sounds weird, and to some people, like that's just foolishness. But it's so true because you provide what is needed to even be here on a daily and weekly basis. So, Father, I pray a blessing upon our offering today. Lord, we come this morning. We don't come with the wrong attitude or the wrong mindset. We don't come because someone told us and is making us give. We come because we want to. We come joyful and cheerfully, like the scripture says. We come acknowledging and thanking you for the blessing of provision in our lives. I pray a, a, a multiplication over our giving this day. Bless it. Bless it, oh God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. You have a great day today. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.